Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. So I was trying to think of what our first connection was and who was it that, I think it was our mutual friend, Sarah, that put something on our story about my publishing and it came across your field. And then we grabbed breakfast to see if I'd be a good fit for the show. And, you know, in the span of time and getting to know you, it was amazing to hear about your journey. And so I wanted to flip around and and have you share about you and how you got into the position you, you're in now, because mm-hmm. your title is Director of Programming and Promotions for KSTP, right? KSTP and 45 TV too, our independent station. Yep. Wow. Okay. So it's such a cool journey and, uh, and the, the part where it could have went one way and you went down this path, I just think is so neat and how you followed this. So I want you to go back to how you got into this field and what your process was leading to where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it's, it, yeah, it's been kind of a, it, I never thought, like I never intended to be like on the business side of things. I was always wanting to be on the content and in front of the camera. And now it's like, I even have a hard time where I'm like, I want to interview you. Don't, don't, I don't want to talk about <laughs> So, um, but no, I started out, um, I wanted to be in TV since I was like a little girl. I would like stay up to watch the 10 o'clock news. And, uh, and like my parents would be like, are you sure you should be watching this at like eight or nine? And I was like, no, I just want to watch the news anchors and watch the news. So um, when I was in high school, my dad was mutual friends with an anchor in town, Diana Pierce. She was into horses and I grew up with riding horses and my dad, my family owns um, a couple Western stores. So she was a customer and my dad helped her kind of get back into horses after a bad riding accident. And she said, jokingly, like, I owe you, Paul, and what can I do for you? And he's like, well, actually, my daughter really wants to work in TV. And we have obviously no background in this. And so she's in high school. Can she come and shadow you? And um, I was like, dad, don't, you know, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, and he's like, oh, you got to call her. And that was back before email, obviously, was prevalent or texting. So I actually had to pick up the phone and call this idol of mine that I watched on TV as a little girl. And I did. And I called her and I, and she said, yep, why don't you come down on a Friday night? We're really short staffed so I could use your help. You can run scripts and sort scripts because at the time they would have to like sort them by different colors. I mean, again, this is the nineties. So, um, so uh, started, went down one Friday and then she's like, well, any Fridays that you're available, you can come down. And this is like, and so I would like go down there on Friday nights and work with Diana Pearson. It was Paul Majors at the time. And they were so nice to me and they would just tell stories and I would just watch them and kind of like I met everybody. So then kept that relationship up through college and um, again, would pop into the station when I was home on breaks and stuff. And Diana was just so sweet to me. And then she helped me get an internship there. So I interned at CARE 11 actually for one summer, my junior year. And then they hired me the next summer as an actual employee because they didn't pay interns at the time. So I worked on the assignment desk at CARE 11 for a summer, um, which is like answering phones and listening to police scanners. It's very glamorous. Um, and it's very and just crazy people that call, you listen like, to police scanners for potential stories that are coming in. Yep. Got yep. it. So um, they still do that to this day. They still, we still have police scanners downstairs, but so it's just to hear like, you know, yeah, if there's a shooting or something and then we can send a crew to be there right on site as, as things are unfolding. So, so did that for a summer and then um, the news director there helped me get my first job right out of college. So 
Went to St. Ben's, graduated a semester early and was thinking, oh, it'll be nice. I'll store away some cash and bar- bartend and party with my friends. And nope, he got me an interview. And um, I started in February of, of my senior year and moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, worked overnights as a producer and then did a little bit of reporting. I even did the weather. I mean, people do, you kind of do everything when you're in these small markets. Um, and I always like to say I made le- less money in my first few years than I paid in college tuition. So it was a pretty route. My parents were like, we'll help you. Like, we'll make sure you can eat um, <laughs> and make sure you have a fo- cell phone because you're driving back and forth. You're home at the time because you graduated from college early. I was 21. Wow. So 21. And I was like, and I moved to Eau Claire. Thankfully, I had friends that were, they, I went to Eau Claire. So I lived with a bunch of college students. They like, just let me like pull up a, and pay up like 150 bucks to like basically have half of a room with my good high school friend. So it was like, it was kind of like a grad school is what I kind of thought of it as because I was making so little money working overnights. And then on the weekends, I would drive back and work at Care 11 on the assignment desk since they were. And so Mm-hmm. It was just like crazy times. So I did that for two years, did overnights for a year and then moved to Dayside for a year. But during that time, that's really when like I realized, oh, I really like live TV, but I don't care so much about being in front of the camera. I also didn't really enjoy being the person. I remember one of the stories when I was reporting, I had to go and, and, and talk to a, a mother right after she found out her son was killed um, in Iraq. And I remember being like, mm-hmm. I just was too emotional. It was too, I'm too much of a, empath to like to like be that close to the story and I couldn't take myself out of the story which can make for a really good journalist at times but you still like you have to be able to do that on a daily basis and I was like I just this is not what I want to do I don't want to move across the country be away from my family and friends to you know to 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 work in this and where I'm so close to the to the story so I was like you know I think I want to like produce I want I like the idea of like being the person back at the station pulling it all together telling people you go here you go here and I also loved writing and so I was like I still want to write so producers write all the scripts for the newscasts they stack the newscasts they like I said tell reporters where to go um, and then executive producers obviously oversee like even bigger picture from that so switched gears and so care 11 had a producer job so they took me back so again I, I went back to working overnights again and worked on the morning show at care 11 for uh two and a half years um, and i always say it was like really i mean it was really hard because it was like you know just a totally different level of you go from you know eau claire wisconsin is like tv markets are um like 126 in the country so really tiny to minneapolis markets market 14. so it's like you just kind of jump into the big leagues wow. and you're like and I was only like 23, That's 24. what I can't get over. You yeah. were so young to be put like step yeah. into that role. And at the time, our executive producer, so there's three of us that were producers on the morning show. And we came in at like, a, like 11 at night and we worked till like seven or eight in the morning. And our executive producer got pregnant. And so she was out on maternity leave. So I'm like, they were like driving this ship, like, and you're like 20 some years old and you're writing for these people that... And all these people that are watching, it's just, it was just like a kind of a crazy experience. And, but during that time I realized, and it was the overnights too, that I was like, you know, I, I love live TV, but news is really draining. I'm a people person. News producers sit at their desk most of the day and write, which I liked part of it, but I was like, I still, I, I want to do something where I'm writing and creating, but I'm more on a team format. 
And I was like, there's other TV out there besides just news. And so um, met somebody and, um, and got a job with um, public television. So PBS and worked on a show called Dragonfly TV for a year. It was a year contract. And that was awesome because that took me to like, I went to Hawaii for a month and then went to New Mexico for a month and then was in Yellowstone, Montana and did like a whole thing on there. So it was a kid science show. So we cast real kids from the area and then we like take them to a science center and and then like teach about some sort of science lesson and then we take it out into the real world. So um, we did sea turtles in Hawaii. We did the balloon festival and how hot air balloons work in, in Albuquerque. So um, really cool. So it was like, and I always say that time of my life was like almost like a rehab from news, <laughs> like where it was like, slow down, be creative, enjoy life. I was young. I didn't have a boyfriend and have, I was traveling and it was just great. And it was like, at that point I was like, oh, this is like, I'm going to work in like content, like TV, like lifestyle content TV. So I'm going to have to move to New York or LA and that's fine. And that's, so when this is up, I'll, apply for jobs. Um, I'm not going to like be tied down. And it was like, this is going to be the next adventure. And it's great. I was totally willing to like move away for those kind of jobs. Then I was freelancing when like we were wrapping up that project and I picked up a couple other freelance projects with corporate video, which is a lot of what the Twin Cities has. If you're not in news, a lot of people work in corporate communications because we have Best Buy, we have Target, we have Medtronic, we have all these companies and they were they need to produce videos for training purposes or for oh. conferences or all the things like there. And they pay really well. It's not the fun of like creating a TV show, but it paid yeah. the bills. Yeah. So I was in that for a few months trying to figure out my life and be like, okay, what am I going to do? And I met somebody who was like, oh, KSTP wants to start up a lifestyle show, like the show Good Company. And I used to watch that show with my mom when I was a kid back in the days. It was on in the 80s and that in early 90s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and they're, they're looking for an executive producer. And I was 25 at the time. And I'm like, oh, they're like, you should talk. You should call this Mike Smith, who's the programming director. And I was like, I'm not an executive producer. I mean, I've worked in, well, you've worked in TV for a while though. You've really been doing TV since you were in high school. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, okay. So I'm like, what I got to lose? I'll call him. So he said, yeah, come on in, come to the station. So I met with him and he was like, we talked for like an hour and he's like, I really like you. He's like, well, why don't you go back and figure out a show plan and come back and present it to me in a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I mean, do you have, I'm like, well, I'm interviewing for jobs. I have an interview for a job in LA with Dr. Phil and it was a phone interview and I haven't found anything. And I had an interview with um, another production company in LA through a friend of a friend. So I was like, I don't really have anything, but sure, I'll do that. So I come home, like a moment. I'm like, Google, like, how do you write a show? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, I'm like, what do you want? He's like, well, like budget, how many people you need to hire, what the mission for the show would be. Maybe if you have ideas of like set segment ideas, so I was like, okay. So I like, just like kind of, and I actually enlisted my best friend is an interior designer. So I was like, can you like help me like sketch out? Cause I'm not art. Like, like, and so she like drew up sets and like to, did a color palette and stuff. So, so I did this whole presentation of like, here's what the show is. And how did you come in, up with like budget and everything? I can't even imagine wrapping your head around. I mean, did you know that part of the industry, but from your roles? Okay. No, no it was really fake until you make it. Um, I just was like, well, okay, how many people do we have working on this show? Well, if we're going to do this, I mean, I kind of knew at least like I'd done like some, I knew that this show, I wanted it, us to be able to get out and about in the community and, and um, pre-shoot some stuff. So we would need at least a couple of photographers. We would need at least a, some producers. We would need a reporter. And so I kind of just like pieced together from the two stations that I had worked at and then the PBS role. 
but really I didn't know. I mean, I was like, I don't know, like, sure, this sounds good. So I came back to him, to Mike, and I was like, okay. And I come in and I remember I had this, it's actually like this color, but it was like a blazer on, you know, cause it's like, I was very, it was a professional career woman. And I remember I came in, in and I was like, I'm in my blue blazer and I'm ready. And I get to give the whole presentation to him. And he's like, this is good. This is really good. Let's go upstairs and, and you can present it to Rob. And I'm like, okay, yeah, who's this Rob? I'm doing great. And I got this Rob, Rob Hubbard, who happens to own the company. His, his grandfather started Hubbard Broadcasting and his dad is still the chairman and Rob is the president of television and also a very respected among around the country as like a pioneer in television. But yeah. I'm like, and he's also very intimidating, <laughs> like a very like stoic smart i always say he's kind of a lawyer type like he he will always kind of like ask that one question that you're like yeah i didn't think of that and the, the complete wrong answer is to try to make it up with him and i was clearly faking it till i make it and this is a guy <laughs> that just wants the honest truth and 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 nothing but the truth so and nothing but the you know so so i go up there and he uh and i did my presentation and then he ripped it apart and he asked so many questions that i didn't think of I tried to answer and I fumbled and I remember it being like, oh my God, this is like the big leagues A and B, like I'm so out of my league in this. And I, so I sweat, I remember I sweated through the blazer and I was like, <laughs> I was like oh God, I was like, and I got in my car after and Mike was like, oh yeah, that went okay. Okay. All right. Well, good to see. And I was like, well, didn't get that job, but it was like, I was like, that was an experience that I was not ready for. So a week goes by and I'm like, and again, and I was, I had a freelance job in Atlanta. So I was in Atlanta with Best Buy and for a conference and I was at the Atlanta Braves game. And I remember, and we're in a suite and I get a call and it's um, Mike, hey, it's Mike from Hover Broadcasting, KSCP. I'm like, oh, and he's like, um, do you have time tomorrow for a, an interview with our creative services director? And I was like, oh, I'm still in the running for this job. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm like, well, I'm actually in Atlanta. He's like, we can do it over the phone if you want. And I was like, Okay, so I did actually two interviews over the phone with our with their sales manager and our creative services director at the time. And then I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, okay. Then he calls a week later. Can you come back in and meet with this next person? I'm like, oh, okay. So then I met with them. So I ended up being, I think it was like five interviews total times that I met. So then I thought, you know what? If I get this job, they know what they're getting. And because yeah. it was like at this point. And so I was like, but I don't even know if I want this job. I was like, I don't even know if I can do this job, but I just kept going through the process. Cause it was like, okay. So finally, yeah, I remember I was out to lunch with the night and I, then I had started dating a new guy who happens to be my husband now. And I was out to lunch with my new boyfriend at the time. Um, and he was at, he, he was working or for this dead end job too. And we were both like, ah, what are we just saying? What are we going to do with our lives? And I'm like, I don't even know if I want to be with you because I'm going to move to LA, I think. And I get a phone call. I'm like, hold on, it's KSCP. I'm sure they're calling to tell me I'm going and it's Mike. And he's like, Hey, Mike's Mike Smith here. He's like, so I want to know if you want to start a show with me. And I was like, eh? And he's like, yeah, he's like, we want, we really want you to start a new show for us. And we think you're the future of Hubbard Broadcasting or something, something like that. And then he offered me like, which was more money than I'd ever been offered, but it was still very low ball. <laughs> now I look at it and I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Okay. All right. He's like, well, call me on Monday and we'll figure out the details. Cause this is like a Thursday or Friday afternoon. I'm like, okay, great. And I hung up and I was like, I, got a, I just got a job and I'm going to start a TV show. And my husband or boyfriend at the time was like, what? And I'm like, and it's this much money. And he's like, well, that's great. What is celebrating? And I was like, so that was, yeah. So that was like, um, like June of 2007. And yeah, I started like two weeks later. 
And we had like, I had no idea I had a desk in like this little director's area and everybody at the station did not want this show to happen because they just thought it was going to be more work and it wasn't going to do anything. And it was just going to be an embarrassment. So nobody was really friendly or excited about it. So this Mike was, so I worked closely with him and we decided we were going to have a casting call at Mall of America to look for a host or hosts for the show. So put that together that, that summer and we I interviewed 500 people over the course of two days at the Mall of America. Wow. We ended up finding our male host, John Hansen, from that casting call. So he was in radio at the time in Las Vegas and was back visiting his sick mom and, and uh, his mom pushed him to go try out for this. And he ended up getting the role and he had never worked in TV before. And yeah, and then we we didn't find anybody to match with him. So we kind of went more of a traditional route and had people submit submit their tapes and, and uh, audition videos through. So we ended up casting someone from Wisconsin. She was in Milwaukee at the time, Rebecca Wood, but she was originally from Minnesota that wanted to come back. So those were the original two hosts. But And then from there, John came on and he helped me. And then we hired the rest of the staff. And then we figured out a set and figured out format and a name for the show. We didn't even have a name. We thought we were actually going to call it Good Company and bring that back. But we came back to wanting to focus it more on live. And Twin Cities Live was actually a show that was on KSCP years ago in the 70s as well. But we felt like that didn't have as much of a brand recognition as Good Company. So we could bring it back. And yeah, so that was 15 years ago, this April, in fact, April 21st. So in a couple of weeks is the 15-year anniversary of Twin Cities Live. So it's crazy. I never thought I'd be here 15 years. So so yeah, that was kind of what brought me there. So. I mean, thinking of what I was doing at that age <laughs> while you're like starting a new network show is just amazing to me. And okay, remind me of what happened with the um, the Dr. Phil thing too and how that kind of coincided. Because I knew you had a, a phone interview with them at that point when this opportunity came forward. Yeah, so they so I did a phone a couple phone interviews with them, um, and then they actually called like the day after. So it was must have been a Thursday when I took the cut. They called that Friday, and they're like, "Hey, can you come out next Tuesday for an interview?" And I was like, "Ah, uh, no, I actually just accepted a job." And it was crazy because I was like I said, I was really on the really loved my husband, I boyfriend. I like knew that we had a connection, but I was kind of like. God give me a sign if I should, if, if I should, because I knew we wouldn't, we were so new that it was like, it's, we're not going to make it if I moved to LA. So give me a sign if he's worth. And it, and it was, it was like, here's a, here's a job, a career right here. And a chance to start something in your hometown where I had grown up watching local TV and to work honestly. And I didn't know it at the time, but to work for the Hubbards is like, was so, so, I mean, now I have people from across the country. They're like, do you know how lucky you are? I'm like, yes. I do because I work for the person that writes the checks and I can go upstairs if I really feel passionate about something and say, we need this. And here's like why we need it. And and here's the ROI on it. And I can get an answer. I don't have to go to a board. I don't have to go to a corporate, you know, so it's so rare. And I think it's why we've been able to, and honestly, like I, and then I was able to move through and, and create a role for myself. Like the current role I'm in didn't even exist. I just create like, because my boss saw my opportunities and moved me into other things. And he, I mean, I made up my own title. I was like, this is what I'm going to be. So, <laughs> you know, so um, it's really, yeah, it's like, it's crazy. So I'm like, I'm really glad that that, but yeah, it was totally the sign. And I was like, I think for like a beat, I was like, should I go out there and interview and just see? But then I was like, no, this feels right. And this feels like, like the right place to be. So, and it was hard though in the beginning and I was way over my head in the beginning. I mean, if I could tell my 25 year old self now things, I would have done things differently. I think 
Sure. You know, but at the time, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. And some of it, you just got to do it. And you just got to be like, it's like when you started your business, I'm sure you're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just got it. You got to get it. And you got to just start writing a list and kind of thinking about, and that's what I just did. I was like, well, we got to get this done. We need a set. Let's research some set companies. (laughs) So I, I think the difference between doing and not doing is just understanding that you're going to have a lot of things you don't know going into it. And you just have to be prepared to learn as you go. And I think for some people that just sounds too scary and overwhelming, but the secret is that's how it is for everybody. Nobody has all the answers when they start. And of course, 10 years now, 15 years later, you can look back and say, oh, I would have done this differently or whatever, but that's part of everybody's journey. Like that's the shared thing is people are doing their best at the time, knowing there's going to be a huge learning curve. Yeah. And I think that never stopping, like, like learning. Yeah. Like now I, and I think there's things that I can share with people and say, oh, I wouldn't do it this way. I would do it this way. But at the same time, like, you know, they're going to have their own journey and and whatever it is. So you got to, and that was one thing that I did early on that I think was right is I reached out to a lot of people. Again, I reached out to Diana Pierce and, and had coffee with her and it was like, you know, and she's a competitor, but she was like, I'm happy to have coffee with her. And and what was so cool is that when Twin Cities Live launched the first day, she sent a big bouquet of flowers and said, I always knew you'd do something great. And it was just like, oh, and it just like makes me teary uh-huh. because, like, you know, so so that's something that I'm super passionate about now. And, and I will always be is continuing to foster not just interns and stuff, but just people that are interested in in media or interested in this is like, because that's how I, I would never be here. And I would if if A, the Hubbards didn't take a chance on me and B, all those people didn't answer my call, help me have coffee, give me confidence to say, help me problem solve because I was like, like I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and there was no roadmap. So it was like, well, we're going to figure this out. So, and yeah, and it was just, it's been like one of the best experiences to just be able to create something from scratch and now see it you know, now I'm not as involved in the day to day, which took a while to get used to. I mean, um, I've been doing, I took over doing programming for the station six years ago. So, and at that time I was still executive producing Twin Cities Live too, and then programming Channel 5 and Channel 45, which Channel 45 is a pure independent. So we have to buy all the, the programming because we don't have a network. So I negotiate all those programming deals too. So you, you started with Twin Cities Live and then Minnesota Live came later. That was another one under yep, your... So- yeah, so Twin Cities Live. So then when I moved into programming six years ago, that allowed me to basically, and honestly, I was at a crossroads. I just had my son and I was like a second child and I was like starting to get like that itch of like, I feel like I, I love Twin Cities Live, but I'm like, I can't just produce cooking segments and manage, you know, manage new producers for the rest of my life. And so I went to my boss and I was like, you know, I know there's like, you know, it's a small, it's a family owned company and there's not a lot of like, there's not, it's not like at target corporates. Like you go from like a business analyst to a senior analyst to this. It was like, but I'm like, I really like working here. I really like working for you. And during that time, our programming director had left. And so I was reporting directly to Rob Hubbard versus just reporting to someone in between. So that was scary because again, very high powered, intimidating person. But at the same time, it was like the best thing that ever happened because I had to like, I, I could actually go to the top and say, and I think he saw, well, she's pretty good at what she does versus, you know, it being through a, another middle manager. So I came to him and I was like, I, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm bored, but I am kind of bored. And I'm like, but I want to stay here. And he was like, you know, I just don't really know what to do with you, but we'll, I'll keep thinking. 
And then someone ended up retiring early and he was like, okay, this is what I need you to do. I'm going to have you take over programming because I can't do all this because I have other roles because of being the president of the company. And I was like, well, I don't really know how to do programming. He's like, well, you'll figure it out. <laughs> really, that was about it. And he like did not give me any training. He was like, the, thankfully the woman that was retiring stayed and like helped me for like a month. But I was like, so I'm buying shows now. I'm like, he's like, you're a good negotiator. You'll figure it out. And I was like, am I a good negotiator? He's like, I don't think I am. So then, so as taking over the programming role, then I had control of what we air on the station. And so um, Minnesota Live was actually like a three-year project in work. So I was watching the trends of Kelly and Ryan at 9 a.m. And I was like, we are like number three or number four in the time period behind like two local shows. And these two local shows are really not that well-produced. Like they just, they're kind of average. They're kind of, you know, filler. And I was like, and we do local programming with Twin Cities Live so well. And we have actually a team invested. We have like one of the largest teams in the country for a local show. I mean, most stations have maybe two or three people that work on it. We have like 10 people in the TCL team. So I was like, I'm thinking we could do another hour, make it a little different in the morning and not pay for the, the, that Kelly and Ryan, which we were paying a lot of money in a license fee. And when you, it's your own product, you get all the commercial inventory versus with, you know, a, a syndicated project, they're getting half of usually half of the commercials that they're selling nationally. Um, so I was like, so I was like, we can make a lot of money. So I was doing all the ROI, but it was, I mean, and I kept going up to Rob and being like, okay, this is what I want to do. He's like, well, go back and look at the, that one question that I didn't know, you know, <laughs> go back and research this or go back and do this. So it was like two or three years and we still had this contract. And finally, I remember one day I was up there and I was like, I, there cannot be another question that he can ask me. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, let's do it. Start another show. <laughs> I was like, but he's like, but you can't do it because I need you to be thinking big and you can't be back in the trenches. So you got to hire somebody that can executive produce the show and be the champion. Like you were for TCL. And because he's like, because this is not what your job is anymore. I need you to do bigger things. So I was like, oh, well, I thought I got to start it, but it was like the best. And again, so smart of him because I couldn't have done it. And I would have, it would have failed because there wouldn't have been somebody on the ground to really be the champion and figure out what the mission is and make the mission different from TCL. Mm -hmm. So I hired a, actually a former employee on TCL that had left to do other things because he wanted advancement. So he came back. His name's Mike, and he um, he started Minnesota Live. Together, we worked on it, but I worked on it for more of the higher level of it. And that was like 18 months ago. I think it's been almost, it'll be two years this fall that it's been on. It's up 175% in the time period. We're making considerable wow. more money, and we own it, and it's our product. And it's it's got a life of its own. It's not TCL. Some people are like, oh, it's TCL in the morning. I'm like, no, it's, it's more about... It's more about storytelling. It's more about connecting with people and having great conversation. It's more like your morning cup of coffee. And we really try to showcase across the state. So our hope is that we will, because we have stations in Duluth and in Rochester, that um, when their contracts run out, that eventually they'll air that at 9 a.m. as well. So it'll be a statewide broadcast show. But we partner with our two stations and we have people go live from Duluth and Rochester area and, and do. So it's really where TCL is, we call it your happy hour and a half. Um, and it's food, fashion, fun, and it's zany, and it's like wacky, and it's like, you know, you're going to have a glass of wine with your friends. Um, Minnesota Live is all about like, like kind of connection and slowing down and celebrating mm -hmm. what what's great across our entire state, not just the Twin Cities. So, and then, yeah, and then I do the, the promotions for the stations came in like four years ago where I started, and then was asked again, okay, so our promotion director left unexpectedly, and so my boss said, well, what would you think about, you know, helping out and running the promotions departments while I figure this out? And I'm like, okay, I guess I can do it. And then 
a month later, he's like, you know, this is going really well. What do you think about doing it permanently? And I was like, you mean like running the programming, Twin Cities Live, just <laughs> Minnesota Live, and both promotions department? I was like, I keep, and he's like, no, clearly not under the same terms, but maybe restructuring. You'd have to give some things up and you'd have to figure it out. And, and I'm like, and I'd have to get paid more. <laughs> and he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so he's like, go back, figure out what you need, who you need to hire, what you want, and what your title will be, and come back to me and we'll discuss. So I was like, okay. So it, that was like a whole level of like, and then again, it was like, do I want this at this time? Do I want this much responsibility? Do I want to be doing more of the, what I like to call now budgets and difficult conversations versus content creation, which is what I got in it for. But ultimately I decided that, you know, this is an opportunity to, to, to move up through with the Hubbards to work more closely and to, to have those opportunities to, maybe I don't get to actually sit and create the show every day, but I can open up more doors for more of that kind of content too. And, and so, yeah, so I created the position and stepped down from TCL completely. So now again, I, I don't, I don't run the day-to-day of either show, but it's still, I still get to like work with them and be part of the bigger conversation of, you know, what are we doing globally to celebrate TCL and to grow the brand? And, um, and I still get to like work with the talent and, and make the talent decisions and stuff too. So, so it's been good. I mean, it's, you know, there's days where I think, I think being, being a leader and being a manager is really lonely sometimes because sure. you don't, you can't like be in the trenches, like, you know, crab into your coworker about this and that, cause you're the leader. So you're kind of like making the difficult decisions and you have to sit with your door closed and figure out how you're going to make budget and how you're going to make ratings work. And you have to make, but at the same time, I think it was a natural progression. And it's been nice because I've been able to stay in TV, but continue to increase my responsibility and my financial gains and all that stuff. So, and it's like very entrepreneurial, you know, which I like. So, yeah. So that's sure. a lot, a lot of words. Sorry. No, it's uh, that. Thank you so much. It's so fascinating to see how people get to where they are. Uh, I think for so many people, they underestimate how it's just you just keep trying a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. When opportunity comes, you take advantage of it. And I think a lot of times we have those doors that open for us and we might not be receptive to it in the moment or we might be too afraid to take it on. But man, I I feel like they open for a reason. And, you know, you've had so many of those instances when you're like, okay, I don't really know how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And in between there, I mean, I wish I didn't mention there was a door that closed like right before I had my son, when I said I was getting like anxious, um, there was the, the marketing director job as it existed before, where it was just smart, just running promotions for both stations came open and I went to, I applied for it and I interviewed and it came down to me and another person. And my boss went with the other person who had more experience and he did come down. And that's when he was like, I do want to continue to invest in you. I just don't feel this is the right, you did a great job, but you just don't have the experience. I need this person with experience. He's going to be the right direction is what I think I need. And he only lasted two years and he was not, or he was not good at his job. Which, and, and that was the person I had to pick up and basically kind of clean things up after because he left unexpectedly. But my boss was very much like, you know, like this is, and this is your, this is a no. And I was like, and I was kind of crushed because I'm like not used to being like told no. And, but I was, and I was like, do I leave? Cause he doesn't think I should get this job. And I was like, no, I was like, it's, he's made good decisions and I had to go for it. I'm glad I went for that job. I didn't have the experience and that's okay. And it wasn't the right timing and timing's everything. And I was so happy, like in retrospect, I'm like, 
I wasn't ready then to take on this much responsibility. I had a new baby and, and he, he made it very clear. He's like, I'm not holding this again because you're having a baby. I know you can handle it. And it was my second child and I had, you know, worked for them. And so, but it wasn't the right time in my life to do it. And then two years later, it came where it was like, no, I'm ready. And, and then he gave me the responsibility. And then he like quickly was like, I think you can create a different job that's even, and this job is even better because I'm getting to still do the programming and the promotions. I was able to elevate a few others on my team to take on more responsibility and advance their careers. And I give a more of a global approach to it than what that original job would have been just doing marketing. Because marketing is not my passion, but it's quickly become something that I think business-wise, I think that that I really enjoy. But it's not like the, the programming. And so I would have had to give up the programming completely where now it's like, I get to kind of do a little bit of both. So. Yeah. It's funny because I think we talked about this when we were at breakfast, but I reached out to you when I put my book cabin out about coming on the show. And I don't remember what transpired there, but like in retrospect, I was on another channel with, it was Ali Lucia. So that would have been. CCO probably. Yeah, And I, I mean, I was nervous for both ones, but that one, I definitely feel like I wasn't really ready yet. Like I wasn't ready to just step out. So then when this came around, it was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in a very different place in my career. I've stepped Mm -hmm. into this for a few years. I feel more comfortable like talking about it. And I was definitely still nervous, but like for whatever reason it happened just when it was supposed to, you know? Absolutely. So I feel like a lot of those things that initially are like, a bummer it's you know there's there's a plan that's greater that we don't we absolutely need to see mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to see that in the moment and to be like oh and I think like the biggest that's the biggest thing I've learned too is I'm not a super I'm, by nature I'm not a patient person at all but I think listening to like sometimes just taking being patient taking a deep breath there's there's a lot of good in appreciating where you're at and even if it's not where you want to be and that's where I'm at right now, I think, is that I'm like, I, I still want to do more. And, you know, we've talked, I want to write a book and whether that's a fictional book or it's a book, a little bit about, you know, maybe with an angle in the TV industry because of all the crazy people that I've met through the years and that have great stories, these stories. But I think that I'm just like kind of like waiting for, okay, the next thing will come. And there's a lot of good in just being appreciative of where you're at and being okay with that you're not always have to be climbing. I think, you know, and that, I think that's the benefit too of getting older. Like I think in your forties, you can be like, okay, I've achieved this. I'm appreciative of it, but I'm going to enjoy it a little bit, but I'm not done. And, um, and I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at now is do I want to start more shows? Do I want to do more content? Yeah. But it doesn't have to be like, I'm not going to kick out a show every, every year. And at the end of the day, the media business is changing so much too, that I think I'm sitting back and seeing what is the next need going to be. There'll always be a need for local broadcast television, even though people are like, Oh, nobody's going to watch TV anymore. I'm like, where do you turn when there's bad weather? Where did, where did everyone turn when we had unfortunately had our city was burning down during George Floyd riots. We went, I think over 30 hours straight without even taking a commercial break, which no other station did. And we were able to do that because we are locally owned and wow. we put people before dollars. But I, I mean, I think so back to, I think, I think local TV definitely has a place and it will always have a place in people's lives. But I think there's a lot more that local TV stations are going to do besides just bring you the news. So I'm excited to see what comes next there. And I, but I anticipate there will be some closed doors before another door opens to what the yeah. next thing is. So I was curious too, like what 
What kinds of things are some of your favorite segments or make the best segments? And what are things that you're looking to call in more often? Like, are there things where you're like, oh, I wish I had more of this? Or these are some of my favorite things that are typically successful or we get great feedback on? Yeah, I think for Twin Cities Live, we're always looking for people that have unique point of views and unique just personalities and can bring great, like fun energy and conversation. So I think the best segments, it could be, the topics can vary. It could be a cooking segment. We always say it's not about the recipe. It's about what happens. You know, you can get the recipe online and it's about watching an experience and really feeling like it's coming through the television screen that people are feeling connected to that guest and connected to Ben and Elizabeth. And the best compliments we get with TCL are that people, I mean, it's it's kind of sad, especially during the pandemic, it was sad to get stuff from people saying like, I was so depressed, but turning on TCL has made me, it gives me light to my day, or I'm lonely, or I just lost my husband, or, but you, you guys like make me laugh. And so I think that's like, with that show, we're just always looking for guests that can bring out the best in our hosts. And we can, we can create those live TV moments that where you're like, oh my gosh, that just happened. Like, so, and, and you know it when you see it. So and then Minnesota Live, I think we're, we're always looking for stories and showcasing like the people that don't always get like, so diversity and like, not just skin color or your perspective, but also like, we just had like a woman write in, she's like, my husband is a farmer and you did a story on, on this small farm in like New Orleans or something, we featured it. And she's like, and it was just so good to see our like livelihood showcased because not a lot of people know what a farmer actually does, you know? And like, and that's such a big part of Minnesota but right. it's not the part that you see on the news every day, you know? Right. And I was like, I was like, that's so awesome because that, you know, we, we are so much more than just the Twin Cities, which are awesome. We both live in the Twin Cities metro area and they, they offer great restaurants and awesome theater and whatever, but we are so much more than that in the state. So I think for Minnesota Live, that's what we're constantly looking for is like those really, we did a, we did a Zoom interview with a couple that owns, she had a big marketing job and then COVID kind of re- reassessed everything. Her husband is, is a farmer. Um, and she said, you know what? People want farm to table and um, let's create a little market and we'll just start small and we'll, um, you know, we'll work with different farmers that, you know, and some of your stuff. And then now they're doing like where you can buy their, your meat from them, your quarter cow and you buy your pork. And so it's all this direct to farmer and they opened a little, the actual a little store and they do fresh flowers on Fridays. And, and someone just told me about it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to reach out. And they just have a Facebook page. They don't even have a website yet. And they came on and we did a Zoom interview with them and they told us their whole story. And I was like, that is exactly what that show should be is like yeah. that giving these little businesses and little people's dreams and uplifting them. So, so yeah, so I think those are my favorite segments is just like when we, when we find these little niches and we're like able to like get the little slice of life and, and hear their story. And then also like bring them more business because like, it's important, like for these small, small business, you know, as a, as a small business owner, you need like, you need that. And it's like, we want to make sure that we're and we're honoring that and um and helping support our local businesses too. So yeah. So and coming from, I mean, I came from a my parents still, my dad still owns his own business, a Western store, Pleasant Hill Saddle Shop and Rogers and, and Lakeville. And I know how important it is to like to make sure that you know you were we're supporting those to keep those businesses alive because because that's you know really a fabric of and we're and I'm coming from a locally owned company too. So so those are the things I Yeah, it's so huge. And to be able to give people a platform to really talk about what they're doing, because there's only so much you can get from a website. And, you know, like I, I have people who will find me on Google, but you know, they, they can read some reviews or see some things, but 
to after I was on the segment and to have people reach out to say like I really like what you said when you did this or to to know your connection to your author who was a previous student like to speak to those things in sharing my story that I I can't just do online that's such a service to people small business owners and and anybody who wants to get their story out mm -hmm. it really connects them so much further than we can do virtually yeah. And I think and it's like, and it's a power. I mean, like I said, there's still a lot of power in, in broadcast television because it's free, it's accessible and it, it you sit down and you get to like share people's stories on a really big platform. I mean, on any given day, we have between 40 and 50,000 people watching Minnesota live and then Twin Cities lives like upwards of sometimes 70 to 80,000 people watching Twin Cities live. So it's yeah. huge. Like, and like I said, they're going to actually get your personality, not just a clip or something that feels sanitized or, you know, is filtered, you know, which is like when a lot on, on the small screen is like, is that, is that authentic? And that's what we really, I mean, that's really been my mission for like coming into, especially branding both of the television stations is, are we being authentic? Are we being authentic to what, what we brand, what our mission is, whether that be our news mission or whether it be TCL or Minnesota Live or 45 TV, which is like comedies and the high school tournaments is our big thing on 45. And so what, how do we be, how do we authentically brand ourselves and, and move forward in that way? Because that's going to get, I think, give us the most success. So um, that's been really good. And I mean, we've seen, so I've been doing marketing for the, for four years, I said, yeah, like four years, I think in March is when I took over the marketing job officially. And we've taken the station, uh, I say we, because it's like, it's not just me. I mean, I'm just here making sure that the budgets and difficult conversations happen and everyone's doing their job. Because a lot of people are doing way more work than me, but we've taken the station from a three, four station, meaning three, three, either three or four in the ratings for most of our newscasts to a one, two station, which is great. Like our morning show is number one. Like it's been number one for like over a year, probably longer than that. And then our midday show is number one. TCL is number one. Minnesota Live is number two in the time period. Our five and six are either one or two, depending on the day. Um, we're still 10 o'clock is still like where we struggle a bit. Part of that is kind of lead ins because ABC doesn't have as strong of a prime time schedule as CBS. It's also history because you got Frank and Amelia, and Randy and Julie, and it's kind of hard to compete with some of that. But but we're working on it, but I'm proud of that, but it's like we've taken, and then we've done that all by really just stripping back and being like, what, how authentically do we brand? How do we authentically market? It's not about buying build, big billboards and putting like pretty faces. There's more to marketing than that. So, so it's been good. Right. Yeah. Incredible. And I was going to ask you too, what, what kinds of things you look for in a house? Because when I was on, I felt like so comfortable. They just made me feel relaxed. And like, I mean, I was still nervous, of course, but like, there's a, I don't know, something that you just can't teach in the way that they can bring out the people that they're with. So what are the things that you've seen, you know, for, for people who are wanting to break into the industry or just for my own curiosity's sake, like what makes a good host? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, you know, for this type of shows, for the type of shows that we do, it's a lot about being naturally curious and being a person that can sit down and quickly connect with people and quickly put people at ease, um, which like you said, is a kind of a non-tangible. It's like, you can't teach that. It's kind of just like, are you a person that when, you know, you know, those people that you meet, I mean, you meet a lot of people too, where it's like, you sit down and have coffee and you're like, I feel like I've known you like forever. And yeah. so it's that kind of person that, in a, in a, a, you know, that thrives on that. But I'll be honest with you, most people that I've worked with that are on in front of the camera talent, they are introverts. They are not extroverts. They are not like, like mm -hmm. me, like 
because they, but they turn it on and they're able to like, but they're also really good listeners too. So there's like Elizabeth Reese and she'll let me just say this, like her perfect Friday night is home with her family, not out, not at an event. She hates public events. I mean, she enjoys meeting people, but she's like, it's just not her jam. It drains her. But it's something about television. It's like, she just turns it, turns it on in a different way. So I think it's just that it's really that, that people are authentically themselves are comfortable. They're in their own skin. They're comfortable with who they are. They have a, a strong point of view, but they're able to listen to other people's point of view too. And they're just able to quickly make a connection. And, and live TV is so different than like, even like people that are influencers or whatever, because that you can edit, you can do six different takes. Right. Live TV is like you got one shot and and you're in you're under a time constraint. So you've got someone in your ear saying two minutes, three. And so you've got to figure out how to eloquently narrate the conversation and the time you have. And not everyone can do it. And it's and that's part of you know kind of the the fun of it is the people that embrace the imperfection too. I mean, I think as I always say to people when they fill in and co-host, I'm like, Ben's got it or Elizabeth's got it. They know how to do it. There's nothing you can do aside from swearing <laughs> um, that, you know, that are, you know, nips, nibble slips or something like that. I don't want that. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to throw us off because part of what makes it great is it's live and you don't know what's going to happen. And that's okay. And messing up, if you mess up on the teleprompter, just say, oh, uh, that's a, I, I didn't read that right. Ben fixed that for me. Thanks so much. You know, like, because people will appreciate that and then they know it's live yeah. and they also nobody wants like any more of these shiny anchors that are just like and even our anchors like they mess up and then just keep going just it's okay oh well I screwed that one up not my day all right I mean you're gonna feel like someone's more authentic than if they're trying to be like well okay um because that's just not what people want anymore I think right. so I think tv today it's all about about just being yourself be yourself and listen and be curious I think so Great advice. I think there is a, a desire for authenticity that is heightened that we've never had before because of all of these things that have come into the field from the filters to the the ways we can edit everything. And people are just craving real and, and authentic stories, authentic situations. So yeah, I think that's fantastic. Okay. So I'm still going to encourage you to uh, write a book at some point, because I know you have uh, so many stories. And is there uh, one that you could share with us that is like, holy cow, this actually happened on live TV or in the background that never made it to live TV? Any kind of crazy or surprising or... There's just like, I could go back to it, but there's guests like, this is the stuff that happens. Sometimes it's like, I remember one time at the fair, we had this mascot a Crayola crayon that was going to be on and we were on this outside stage and it was super windy and super loud and then we had these skinny stairs to get up and the mascot got stuck on the stairs and it's there's a person in there obviously <laughs> and we're like we're like on the air and we're like and they're like and the Crayola mascot and then we're like we can't get him and so it's producer and me we're pushing this person this little it was like a young guy in it and he's like ow, ow. we're like you gotta go on and we're like we don't have a mascot and they're like okay, and they're like, cut to this. And it was just like, so I mean, it's just like, there's just stuff that happens. It's totally like 30 Rock. If you ever watched 30 Rock, it's totally like that yeah, sometimes. Yeah. We're like, who has the mascot? Who's got the, the and the fair, they're just, this, I could just write it, things of the weird stuff that's happened at the state fair and the weird people that come talk to you at the Gosh, state I'm fair. Sure. I mean, we could do a whole chapter on the stuff people have brought for Elizabeth Reese that I'm like, oh, they're like, here, this is my baby bonnet from when I was a baby for your new baby. And Elizabeth's like, you should just keep this. <laughs> so 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's just off the top of my head. I'd have to sit. I, and like, I, I think I told you this before Diana Pierce, when I got the job, she said, now write everything down. Cause you're going to have like crazy stuff happen. And I didn't, I should have wrote it down there, but I'll have to like, kind of go back. And we have an actual, like one of our producers who's worked here for a long time has kept like a quote book and like stories of like, remember when this happened? Remember when this guest didn't show up? Remember when this guest did this? So um, yeah, there's just lots of, lots of, um, it was never a dull moment. But we're better at managing the chaos than we used to be, I think. So, well, that's what's so great about live TV is there's you're never going to predict everything that's going to happen, and it's where some of the best stories come from. Some of the yeah. magical moments come from, and I'm sure you've had just as many that were like heavy, impactful as you have those like crazy stories mm -hmm. too. For sure. I mean, recently we just did a, like my favorite, or we do these, we call them surprise and delight. So it's like the Ellen moment where you're like, surprise, you're going to Florida, or surprise, you're getting a furnace. We do these furnace giveaways, which are actually super like, because those are people that like can't heat their house. And so give you, and you know, we know what a furnace costs. And it's like, if you can't, and so there's people that go all winter with space heaters because they don't have the money to buy a new furnace. So those are really like tear jerkers where you're like, oh, and then we do, but we just did a furnace giveaway for a lady and she was like, so I should send it to you. She was so excited. We used it in a promo that it was like the, just the most joyous. She's like, I watch you. I watch you every day. It's to Kristen. And Kristen's like, yeah, and you're going to Florida. And she's like, I just, I, what? And she like, it was just so cute. And it's like the most, you know, where you're just like, oh, it's like so fun to, to be able to give people these experiences and to make, and they're like, I can't believe this is only happens to people on TV. And we're like, you're on TV right now. <laughs> you know so um so those are super fun like because because it's just that element of of live and and that's what we like we want it to feel live we want it, we want it to feel uplifting we want it to be impactful and 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 that's where you just throw out all the perfection it doesn't have to be perfect it just needs to be authentic so yeah yeah those moments where you're really connecting with the audience have got to be other than the live audience, but like people like that who aren't expecting it have got to be so cool. Cause I talk to people about this a lot, how when you're putting something out, like you'll get the stats back of how many people are tuning in, but unless they take the time to reach out to you, you you're not fully understanding or appreciating what the impact is. So those times when people can uh, show you like how much or send you an email and say how much that uh, just tuning in means to them, those are huge. And, and mm -hmm. I think what keep us going all the time, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure for your authors, it's like if someone reaches out on social and says, I read your book and I loved it and, or this resonated with me, but yeah, I love it. And I still, I mean, and it surprises me. I mean, so I've been with the show for obviously since the beginning. And so, and you know, we all, I mean, everybody's popped in time for time during the pandemic. I did a lot of segments for my house because we needed content and we didn't have people, not everybody was good could figure out how to you know, do it in their home kitchen or whatever. So I did cooking segments. My husband and I did grilling segments. We did like, and I brought him in. I had the kids do stuff. We tested toys, summer toys. And so from doing that, and I'm not on as much anymore. I mean, I'll do segments from time to time. Like if it's like, I like to, you know, do like local gifting segments and businesses that I um, want to feature if they need, or if they need, like we'll have, sometimes we'll have like mom reviews or whatever or things. But I mean, I'm probably on the shows maybe like four times a year now or whatever. I still have people though that come and like, they'll be in the grocery store live. They'll be like, I know you, you're on Twin Cities Live. And I'm like, I do you think I'm, do you think I'm Elizabeth Reese? I was like, I was like, no, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I see you. And your husband, I've seen him on there too. I was like, 
Oh my gosh. I was like, you guys like watch this thing. And then they're like, yeah. And so it's, it's very fun. But I'm always like, thank you for watching. I always say, thank you for keeping me employed. Appreciate it. So it matters. We need people to watch. So, but yeah, it's super fun. I never take that for granted because it's like, you know, it's a fun job and it's, um, it's work, but it's, it's, it's fun. So. Yeah. That's gotta be surreal. Okay. So you've already accomplished so much. Do you have things I know you've talked about and I'll continue to encourage, you know, writing, getting ideas down for a book, but do you have things, other things career-wise that you're, you've got on the list that you want to accomplish that you want to work towards or have all of these things just kind of come your way and you're just open to what's next or. Yeah. I mean, I think both, I think open to what's next. I think personally, like, I think that's where the book and writing, writing is like something that is more for me than just like, a t- I feel like the last few years, it's really been about being a leader and building a team and encouraging others and not really working on my personal development as much, if that makes sense. So I feel like that's something where I, I know I have a strong voice. I'm not the best. I mean, I, you know, I obviously need someone to edit and be like to grammatically make it, like a, but I, I know I have, I, with my writing, I know, and I did some blogging, like back early, like before I had this job or whatever, but, um, and I said, and I, I know that I can write and it's, you hear my voice in, the, in my writing. So I wanted, I want to work on that for myself. And so whether that's some sort of a book, I mean, even, even like my husband and I were like, we were like, Bruce needs a book. And I know everyone thinks the children's book, but <laughs> we have it. We actually have a concept, Bruce, the book count, because Bruce chooses books. And we're like, and my husband's like, and it'll start with Bruce's favorite day of the week was library day when the new <laughs> books came home. <laughs> because and so, um, but anyway, so writing and, and creating is something I want to personally work on in the next phase of my life. And then I think career wise, I could see going two directions. I could see wanting to be a general manager, which would be the next kind of step for me. I'd love for it to be at here at Hubbard, but that job right now is held by someone with the last name Hubbard. So I don't know that that job's going to open up anytime soon, but so I'd love to run and that would be running the whole station, you know? So um, I'd love to do that, but I also could see at some point saying, maybe I walk away from working for someone else and work for myself. And um, create, you know, like more of a kind of PR media content creation. And maybe under that, there could be producing shows, you know, for, for, you know, uh, cable or, or online or streaming or whatever. So I've, I've always thought that I would work for myself and I always, and I'd love to control my time and have that flexibility and be able to build a team of people that, but at the same time, I could see staying here for a long time too, if, if, if the opportunity continued to open up or to, to do more. So I don't know. So I can kind of think both of those directions and I'm kind of, like I said, I, I'm trying to be comfortable in the phase of enjoying where I'm at and st- I'm still challenged. It's just not as crazy as it was four years ago. And that's okay. Like, cause I, I, why it's not crazy is you've built a good team and they're doing their jobs and that's good, you know? So you don't need to like, you know, it's still challenges and every day there's like, this person did this or this had and working and problem solving, but it's not these big conceptual changes of restructuring and figuring out or creating a new show or doing this. It's more of, so, so I'm trying to be trying to learn to embrace that this is the season and either the next, when it's time, I'll have a good sign of where, what I need to do, you know? So. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, there's, there's so many different things you can do with the experience that you've gained and so many different directions and what you're doing right now is so cool. Yeah. Uh, and I, 
you know, I know I have a number of um, young listeners, uh, some past students. And so for people who are just stepping into their careers and for so many people that are perhaps unhappy with their job or looking to do a, a career change, I would love for you to give just advice from your experience of what has been the most effective and and things that you know you'd like to tell either your young self or somebody who is kind of on the cusp of should I go this direction? Uh, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I mean now more than ever, I mean it's like the world is so small, so it's like reach out to the if you think someone has a cool job, reach out to them on social media or re, or connect with them, you know, and and but then take it that one step further and make the phone call or do the Zoom call or go have coffee. That's the best thing. I mean, I think that's, I mean, and I still continue to do that. I mean, that's like you and I, I reached out. I was like, let's have coffee. I'm like, I don't know. I really, I don't want anything out of you. I just feel like you're interesting. And I, and then, you know, the book thing was kind of in the back of my head and maybe this is something. And so I want to figure out what is her business. And then I was like, you'd be good on the show. I know there's other people that want to write books and now we have a connection and now we're doing this. And then I'm sure there'll be more stuff that will come up and then you can shoot the authors and you're giving me new content. And it's like, but that wouldn't have ever happen if I didn't reach out, you know, and yeah. I didn't just see you pop up and say, well, this is the second time I've heard of this person and she's, and there's a reason she's in my, and I like what she's putting out into the world. So I think for people that want to make a job change or make a, it's just, just start putting it out there in the universe. And I'm such a believer in, in woo and energy and all this. And that too, is that you yeah. put it out there, it comes back, it comes back twofold. So put it out there, reach out. And most people will at least like take, give you the time for a phone call or like, you know, or even, you know, just like a conversation via chat or, or they might refer you to like, I'm not the best person to talk to about that, but you should talk to this person. So that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And that's the biggest advantage. And when we were re- looking for jobs right out of college, it wasn't quite as easy. I mean, it, there wasn't like the LinkedIn and there wasn't. So um, yeah. So I think that's just, just meeting people. And I think we really need to get back to, you know, meeting people in person or, you know, because I think we were so back, you know, where we weren't for so many years, we were just texting and virtual and zoom and um, that connection of actually getting to know somebody and having a cup of coffee with them is like so beneficial. So, so I think that that goes back to finding a mentor too. I mean, I think, and a mentor doesn't have to be this like formal, will you be my mentor, please? Like, it's like, I mean, there's so many people that have either interned or crossed their paths that, I mean, I would think I would, they would consider me their mentor, but I'm not like having monthly phone calls with them and asking them what they're doing. It's just more so like they've reached out and been like, I got a job offer. Is this like this? Or it's even been personal. Like one of them works at the station and she's, she reached out. She's like, how did you know, like you were going to be able to balance, like having kids and working. And I was like, you don't, I was like, you're never going to, but you're going to be fine. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, you're, she's like, I don't, I don't know when the right time. I'm like, there's no right time. So it's like, yeah, you know, so, but yeah. So I think finding, finding people that, that you look up to and that you can talk to. And then again, those those people that are I'm mentoring or that ment- I mentored me, they all come back into being like like Diana Pierce. I just ran into her. She was at an event and she got honored at the event for like Lifetime Achievement Award. She's retired now from TV news. And she texted me after. She's like, I really want to have have lunch and reconnect. She's like, I have some ideas. She's doing a podcast and doing some stuff. And she's like, and I want to run it by you. And I'm like, oh my God, she's asking me for advice like on this. But it's like, it all comes back around. She said that she's like, it all comes back around. Where So, so nice. I think just finding those connections. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. And you're right. The world is so different from what we grew up in. And, you know, that six degrees of separation. I mean, the it's so funny when you have 
you might have something on your newsfeed and somebody comments on it. And you're like, oh, how do you two know each other? And then you're like piecing things together. There's, we're all so connected and it's, it's easier now than ever to connect with people. So that's, mm -hmm. that's great advice. Well, we could talk all day. And I know that was my feeling from the first time we got coffee together. So, um, but I want to respect your time. Are you connecting with people via social media or website? Or if listeners want to say uh, they have an idea for a segment that they'd want to run past the, you or the station, how, how could they do that? Yeah. I think, I mean, everything's out there in email. So email is great. They can email me directly and I'll usually like funnel them to like, oh, this is a Minnesota live or this is a Twin Cities live or, and yeah. So email, um, connect with me on social media. I have Instagram, probably Instagram is the one I use the most. So I have people message all the time. Like, Hey, have you seen this business? We put out, I'll put out a lot of times when we're looking like, even someone's like, we're looking for garden centers to feature. So, I mean, we're trying to like, so it's really, I mean, I think it's just, just reach out. And then, you know, and I'll always, I'll always get back to people and say like that's maybe not right now but it's good to know you're doing this or whatever so because some people will say like how do some people get on the show and some people don't it's really like we plan both shows about two to three weeks out but sometimes we just have a hole come up and we're like we need a you know a mexican chef with one leg who knows one you know so <laughs> not really that but you know what i mean like but you know every once in a while it's like oh we need someone that, that owns a new fee because we yeah. need a new fee and be like i know Lindsay owns a new fee <laughs> so so yeah so it's always good to connect so i think if they like yeah and we offer like internships for both um, marketing and programming. So with the shows, and so we have at least two interns every semester and they're paid. So if people are interested, we're always looking and we actually just hired one of our interns to be a full-time promo producer, which I'm super proud of because it's like, just the next generation and you're teaching them and getting them interested. And then she was like so good and such a good writer that we're like, we had a job open and we're like, okay, you're a little underqualified, but we just, we feel like we can really teach you if you're willing to like, and she was like, yeah, and she's working out great. She's been here for four months and it's been, I mean, just the learning curve is just awesome. So, so yeah, so I think just, you know, there's opportunities and we want to, and we definitely need to foster the next generation into, especially into broadcast television, because a lot of people think it's a dying like medium. And I think that's just misconceptions because all we hear about is digital and social and whatever. And it's like, no, there's definitely still value. It's, it's a, just a different, and we're also not just a TV station anymore. We are a multimedia entity, you know, where we are on social and we are producing, and we, you know, we put content on, on YouTube and content on our website, but I even see that going to, to more levels as, as the business unfolds. And we're thinking about that as broadcasters. We're not just always thinking about what are we putting on the 10 o'clock news? So. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So thank you so awesome. much. This was so fun. Goodbye. So fun. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Talk to you later. Okay. 